Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B Scott. It is the one of the better times of the year. We get to talk NFL draft. I know B Scott is just absolutely giddy. He is ready to go because um, we get to kind of, you know, dive in here. We get to kind of speculate on the direction of, you know, all, you know, more, you know, most importantly, the Indianapolis Colts, but also speculate on the future of the, one of the sports we love in the NFL. It's always a, uh, it's always a great weekend. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I love how they expanded it from just being two days to basically a three, four day event. I love it. Yeah, the NFL definitely like. I mean, it goes without saying, but like knows how to put on like a good event. They know how to like make it spectacular. And I mean, it, it makes total sense. Like a lot of things get kind of, you know, oversaturated and overdone. It's like, wow. But like this makes sense to be like, hey, you know what? The first round, these are going to be our, you know, the people that, you know, you're going to be buying jerseys for and watching, you know, theoretically the rest, you know, for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Let's get those guys on display. Second and third round. You know, those are still guys that are going to be important to your team. And then, you know, it can be kind of that boring, you know, third and fourth day, basically from, you know, the fourth on. Yeah, but still it's exciting because, you know, we're, you're, it's a huge event that's celebrating the accomplishments of these young men. And it's, you know, we're all celebrating that their job interview went well, you know, essentially. I mean, now some of them won't make the final rosters and everything, but still, you know, they, they can say they were, they got drafted into the NFL. And um, that's why I'm always still a huge opponent of um, when teams are punished by losing a draft pick. I, I feel like that's not just punishing a team that's still pun- that's punishing that individual. That's not going to be drafted because they don't replace somebody else into that empty slot. There's a couple slots, I believe this year that are, a team that's not going to be drafting because of some kind of scandal or something. But I'm like, yeah, it hurts the team because that's one less draft pick for them, but you're all by not replacing a team, putting somebody else in there, you're hurting this young man. That's not going to get drafted. You know, that's now one less possible possible pick for somebody to be picked in. And I, I don't, that's why I don't like the, that punishment and it it seems to be being used frequently now and i'm not i'm not a fan of it unless you're gonna say okay you know you got caught cheating in this game well your opponent's not going to get your draft pick you know some something like that where you're you're punishing the team that got caught but you're not taking away an opportunity from somebody else i'm surprised the nflpa has never brought that up i i like that the only problem is like let's say that a well okay so because like in an instance of like spygate where like directly goes to this like against the st louis rams at the time now obviously now the la rams um like that would make sense but if it's something like for instance i know it's baseball but something to the same caliber of the houston astros scandal well they played you know they played 15 teams over the course of the season. So they obviously, you know, in an instance like that, if they, if a scandal that big bro- happened in the NFL, you can't really be like, well, we're going to f- flip a coin or draw a name out of the hat. And one of the teams that you played that you cheated against, 
you know, unless you maybe say, okay, well, the team that finished behind you in the standings, they because that's the team that would have won if you're going to wipe the slate clean and wipe away the wins, which they've ne- which the NFL has never like taken away wins. But if you were to theoretically say, okay, they cheated the whole season, so they all these wins are tainted. We're going to give it to let's say the Patriots. You know, had a che- had another cheating scandal, and and you know, okay, we're going to give their their first round pick to the Miami Dolphins like that. Like that finished second. That would make oh. sense. But like there's so, not a way to do like the whole if they if a team cheated the entire is. season. I, I have yeah. ideas for how. One, you either you just turn it into another uh compensatory pick, you know, where okay, this team lost this level of a free agent. This is their compensation pick. Okay, that or if it's a major scandal that's affecting that affects multiple teams. You just do a lottery, do a lottery. All right. You've had the worst record. You got more ping pong balls in the similar to how the NBA does who gets the number one pick. True. You know, okay. So this pick is up for lottery. The more, you know, the worst record you had, the more ping pong balls you have in the, in the lottery, more chances to gain that pick. You know, that's what I, I, I don't know. Just by, by taking that pick away, it's not just hurting them. Ultimately, there needs to be some kind of workaround Um, or, you know, maybe in the end they're docked a certain amount of money from their cap space. Right. You know, cap space makes sense. Um, Well, so is there not because I thought there was 252 picks every single year. So is is does it fluctuate on paper on paper that pick will just uh, that whatever pick number it is that the team had to forfeit that pick will just be left blank and the person that gets picked next will be still the number of okay the next team so like for instance if the you know well i'm trying to think who picks second this year why am i blanking right now i believe it's the jets oh it's the, oh, it's the jets yeah, yeah yeah so like so for instance if the jets got caught and had to give up their pick so it would the literally third pick be would still be considered the third okay pick. that's why i was yeah I got you. Okay. I was going to say, I was very confused. I was like, I don't remember a year where there was like, oh, well, this year we're only going to take 250. So I didn't know. It's always the same number, but it's just when you do the final math, there's going to be fewer players actually drafted. Gotcha. But yeah, the last pick will still be 252. But theoretically, though, if you if we're looking at it that way, I mean, I guess it does like trickle down. So like the player that if there's like one, let's say there's two vacated picks. So then those two players that would again would have likely gotten picked are more likely to then be called in as a, you know, non-drafted free agent. agent. Um, But I guess in theory, that could also trickle down because if you're only allowed so many undrafted free agents, then that means that's taking a spot away. I don't think I don't think you there's a limit on how many undrafted free agents you can bring in. Now, I mean, there's just there's a roster limit. So ultimately, you got to get down to your 52 man roster. True. I mean. Yeah, so I guess you could theoretically bring in. Honestly, the, the only people, the only guys this is really going to affect ultimately, I guess. Are the ones that are going to get that had the opportunity to get picked at, at near the end of the seventh round? Yeah, because everybody's just going to ultimately then bump up a slot. Technically, you know, all, all it. I mean, I guess in the end, it just affects two guys not getting their name called, or yeah. however many guys not getting their name called. You know, I guess True. it doesn't seem like that's that big of a deal, but 
to those guys it is. To those guys, it's a big deal. Yeah. They busted their butts to get their name called in the, in the NFL draft. Not to go as an undrafted free agent. True. You know? So I see what you're saying. Well, but, and- I mean, there's always guys that, you know, I guess in the end, there's guys that were projected fourth rounders and then they fall to be undrafted. You know, you, you just never know. Some guys are going to get their name called that didn't expect to get their name called, but it's just two less names or however, I don't know the exact number. That's just an example number, I guess. But, you know, that's just two less opportunities because there is, I don't know. I feel, I mean, I don't know how it works out in contracts and everything, but you know, you see guys in the seventh round that don't make the final roster, but still the principle is, Right. They're missing out on that opportunity. Right. Um, well, speaking of opportunities and speaking of these college athletes, one more thing real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the uh, episode today uh, is that it was a, there a couple big announcements on the uh, college football, like the EA Sports College football game front, um, or at least things that will impact that. For one, um, they uh, the I, I, don't, I don't know if we talked about this the last time we talked about the college football game, but uh, college football revamped that has basically been a, a team of you know individuals that has updated the NCAA 14 game uh, you know since it came out in 2013. Um, they are now part or all of their team is now being consulted by EA. Uh, I saw that yeah, on Twitter I, today. I saw, I saw a lot of announcements on Twitter today that I'm getting to live my dream and I'm going to be helping develop the new college football game i was like wow you don't usually see that right so that's really good because obviously these guys have gone to great lengths to keep this franchise alive so you know they're going to bring the best uh to the table and then um i saw today that the uh bill that would allow players to profit off of their likeness is going back to congress uh today as well Mm -hmm. and got an espn uh, notification about that so fingers crossed those are some big things that uh, really go towards uh helping uh not only the quickness of the game getting out but also the quality of the uh, product once it does hit the shelves yeah we'll see i'm, I'm it's I definitely like how it's uh, making the moves forward um so yeah we'll see we'll see ultimately what ends up happening with it yeah for sure it's going to be a lot of fun and we're also ready to talk the nfl draft we're very excited to get to that but before that let's get a quick word from our friends of the show are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. All right, so it is finally time to talk. NFL draft for 2021. Very excited. And of course, we're going to start off with the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to take a look um, at what they were able to do this offseason, what leads us here uh, to the draft today. Uh, First things first, uh, talking about um, what they were able to do additions wise this season. They traded for quarterback Carson Wentz. They re-signed running back Marlon Mack. They, br- they bring back wide receivers T.Y. Hilton and Zach Paschal. They add some depth on the offensive and defensive line uh, with signing tackle Sam Tevy, tackle Julian Davenport, uh, re-signing center Joey Hunt, signing good guard uh, Chris Reed, um, and signing defensive lineman Al-Kaden Muhammad. 
That um, was a re-sign. Yeah, right. Right, right. Al-Kadeen um, Muhammad. Al-Kadeen Muhammad. Yeah. Um, and then they re-signed Xavier Rhodes at corner. They re-signed TJ Carey at corner. And then they bring in uh, Sean, uh, safeties Sean Davis and George Odom. George, George Odom, Odom re-signed, re-signed. re-signed, yeah. Um, and then, of course, the notable losses from this past season – um, quarterback Philip Rivers leaves to, to retirement. Anthony Costanzo tackle also leaves to retirement. Uh, still unsigned is defensive end Justin Houston. Uh, Nico Autry defensive end signs with the Titans. Uh, linebacker Anthony Walker goes to the Cleveland Browns. They also lost a cornerback cor- uh, Tremont Smith and safety Taven Wilson. So um, that brings us to kind of the first question uh, as we get into our um, – draft conversation and that is hot or cold the Colts have had a successful offseason um and you know it's it, when I say cold I don't mean it as in like it's been terrible and that you know a, a once a team that once had Super Bowl aspirations now is lucky to get to the playoffs and you know something like that but uh, I would say as far as being a successful offseason, it is a cold take. I mean, it was it wasn't a failure per se, but I wouldn't call it successful either. I mean, you look at it, bring in Wentz was the highlight. Obviously, they needed to do that. Um, but then, you know, and I, and I was very happy that they were able to bring back Mac Hilton and Rhodes. But like they had the opportunity here to put the finishing touches on a Super Bowl caliber roster and they just kind of ran dropped it ran it back and just dropped the ball in, in, in a sense. I mean, you know, if they end up not getting Justin Houston back, that's a huge blow. Already losing Anthony Walker and Nico Autry are big blows. Um, you know, they could have, you know, adding a piece or two, whether it be on offense or defense, would have been would have worked wonders. Like if they would have said, okay, we didn't make any, because it's kind of like, it's kind of like last year. Like they didn't really do much. I mean, they ended up bringing in Philip Rivers, uh, but like they didn't really do much, but like bring in DeForest Buckner, like however many days before the draft was like, oh man, now we're pumped up. Now we're ready to go. We're about to have a great season. And there was not that move this year. There was not that like, oh, now we're psyched. They're all in, let's go. Um, And, you know, I mean, and just even this season, I mean, they were supposedly in on John Brown, wide receiver, and Kyle Fuller. And if they would have signed at least one of those two guys, I mean, they, I think we would be sitting here looking at this draft a whole lot differently for the Colts because I was thinking about it actually this morning. I was like, you know, I think that this is a make or break draft for Chris Ballard, not because I think if he, if his players don't perform this year, he's going to be fired or anything, but, but leading in. So obviously, you know, those who are diehard Colts fans and have followed this team know that Ryan Grigson left the cupboards bare and, you know, on his way out, stuffed the toilet paper down the toilet and, you know, you know, trash the house on his way out. So, you know, I mean, two of the, you know, most recognized beloved players, uh, in Colts, Colts recent memory retired because of him, Andrew Luck, Pat McAfee. Um, and so Chris Ballard had to kind of rise this team back up out of the ashes. And he's done that for the most part. And we've gone into every draft after that initial draft being like, oh, you know what? Chris Ballard is playing 4D chess while everybody else plays Candyland. Like, no, like nobody is on his level. 
And for the most part, he hasn't really had to do that. He's just done that. And now this year, because going through and doing this mock draft, I realized kind of how tough their situation is as far as, you know, they pick 27th, 50 or 21st, 54th, and then don't pick again until 165. Like, no, I think it's 127. 127. Well, regardless, there's a, a lot of time between those first you know, few picks and then the next few picks that they have. Oh, yeah. um, and so they really have to make those picks count this year. And I know there's going to be most likely some draft day trades, uh, you know, four picks, that kind of thing. But like, this is the one time where like, I think Chris Ballard actually has to, you know, be a magician, do his, you know, do what we all have seen him do these past few drafts. The stakes I think are higher because this, draft will make or break whether or not the window is truly open for the Indianapolis Colts or if it were not as close as we thought we were because there was a lot of talent that left out the door uh, from the Indianapolis Colts this season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is I don't think this is a freezing cold take, but this is definitely a cold take. I mean, obviously bringing in a quarterback that's in his prime, a younger quarterback, is a huge deal because now you don't have to figure out how to land one of the premier quarterbacks in this year's draft, um, which is a good thing. That's a big, big thing. You know, bringing back Marlon Mack, I like the move because it's only going to make the running game more potent. Bringing back T.Y. Hilton, you know, he knows it's just, it's comfortable. I think the biggest move of the moves they made was bringing back Xavier Rhodes. Um, I don't, you know, so I really like that move. I feel like – so we haven't technically lost Justin Houston yet. I think he is more so waiting to kind of, kind of waiting out the draft to see where teams – what teams' needs are. My guess is he's not getting the number, the, the salary number that he's desiring or the amount of years as well, one or both. Um, Danico, losing Danico Autry is a huge blow. It makes it even bigger – the fact that he's gone to an in-division rival. Um, Danico Autry, I mean, he wasn't, he's not a Pro Bowl player, but he's one of those players that's going to really put up numbers next to guys that are like a DeForest Buckner that's getting a, t- a lot of attention put on him. Um, hopefully, we, we did see that come out of Al-Kadeen Muhammad as well this past year and Grover Stewart. Um, so that that's not as big. Um, when you see that, obviously Anthony Walker would have been one of those guys they would have brought back had they had somebody else that was a little bit more athletic than him, ready to go in the wing to take over his starting position. It's going to hurt them though with that locker room leadership that he's he had, um, and he was just a fan favorite, locker room favorite, all of those things, you know. I've said this many times on here. I understand that Chris Ballard plays the long game. I get it. And he's very frugal with his cap space because he's looking at what the future holds for this team. He's got to get an extension put in. He's got, you know, re-sign Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Darius Leonard, guys like that. However, we're not seeing those extensions happen. So if he was like, all of a sudden we'd be here, the Colts have signed Darius Leonard to a X amount of years extension worth whatever. Same thing for Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith. Okay. I get it. You know, you played your long game. Now we're set up for the, the foreseeable future, 
but he's letting their rookie contracts run as long as they can. And he's just sitting on this cap space where, you know, like, okay, yeah, I understand you don't want to sign us up for bigger contracts for extended years. I get it. That's fine. But when you look at this past off season and you saw so many players sign just for one or two year deals, okay. Yeah. I understand that the two year deals, cause you got those big contract extensions coming up, but one year you, you couldn't offer one year and use what we have right now to help get this team there. I know we're looking at the long game, but still when you have an owner who's sitting there saying, yes, we can win multiple Super Bowls. Our window's wide open. Jim Ursay, what are you talking about? This is a team that even you're bringing back essentially all the players except a new quarterback now that there's some there's a lot of unknowns on. But this is a team that got bounced in the wild card round. What are you talking about? The window is wide open to go on a run of multiple Super Bowls. Last I checked, we couldn't beat the Buffalo Bills, yet alone the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, I, I don't know what window you're talking about, and then you guys are complacent to run it back with essentially the same team and hope that you nail all six of your draft picks. Because guess what? As they go deeper in the draft, those guys don't become – those guys are not ones that are going to step in and be difference makers. Those are depth pieces, and hopefully you hope that they're a good special teams player. But so because of what you are doing by running it back and not spending any money, you are essentially saying we are going to nail at our at least our first two picks because you don't have a third round pick. And you can hope that your fourth round pick is good enough to be an immediate contributor as well. That, that the, the likelihood of that happening is very slim. So it, it's, it's hard to see. I mean, obviously, I'm no... NFL GM I, I don't know the ins and outs fully like he does but at the same time I do understand that you know if teams are handing out one year eight to ten million dollar contracts for top tier talents you, you can't tell me we couldn't get in on that like how is that a bad thing for the, the long game you know okay there's ten million dollars this year and they're off the books. Right. Well, I mean, like that, 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 I, that's, that's the part that confuses me. I mean, I don't know. And then there are bargain type players out there still that would be huge benefit that would been or help the Colts significantly in areas that they need help with. Now, maybe not left tackle. That's going to be, that's one, it's always going to be difficult. But like edge rusher, uh, linebacker depth, uh, safety. I don't know about what's out there too much with safety help, but at least linebacker and edge. There's guys out there that you don't have to come have them come in and have Robert Mathis teach them how to be an NFL edge rusher. Those guys are out there already, and you can get some of them for pretty cheap. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be a Justin Houston. There's a Ryan Kerrigan sitting out there that I, I was going like to ask if Kerrigan was still available. Of, I mean, about the same age as Justin Houston, even though it doesn't seem like it, it seems like Ryan Kerrigan should be younger than Justin Houston, but um, about the same age and a guy that, yeah, he played linebacker for the, for wa the Washington football team, but he's more of a hand in the dirt type of guy now. Anyways. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I do understand that they also are happy with the advancement of uh, Taekwon Lewis and Kamiko Toure. But it's, and then everybody has them taking an edge rusher, which when we get into the draft, I will, before we get into the draft, I will say this. Everybody needs to stop having the Colts take anybody from Michigan. Anybody. Yeah. I saw a seven-round mock draft for the Colts today, where it should only be six rounds, where they took with their first pick, Quiddy Pie from Michigan. And in the second round, they took offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield. Jaden or yeah, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. I'm like, can somebody please, please tell me the last time a hyped up Michigan player or any Michigan player for that instance, has succeeded in the NFL. I'll wait. I mean, it probably... There there hasn't been. Not recently. I was going to say, the first name that pops into my mind is Mario Manningham. And like even that wasn't like the most, I mean he's not a Hall of Famer, but he had no. won a Super Bowl, had a successful career. I mean and I'm trying to think who was there was an offensive lineman. Yeah. Well, I mean that was uh like way back. Wasn't one of the isn't wasn't it Jake Long? Yeah. Was it he, he yeah. really high? I mean yeah. he was like a can't miss right. offensive lineman right. at the time, and he just had he just got drafted by a team that was just bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad in the Miami Dolphins. Um, like you could say, oh, Chad Henney, Chad Henney. No, he's a journeyman. I mean, backup quarterback did, did but, help, did help the Kansas City Chiefs get the AFC championship. I mean, true. but I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's one of those deals where Quiddy Pie, okay, yeah, he tests off the charts, but he, he was also on one of the worst defenses in the country. You never saw him make a difference. For one of the worst defenses in the country, Jalen Mayfield. Are you kidding me? No, I, it's just it's ridiculous. The the amount of like, there's some drafts that have like three Michigan players going in the first two rounds, or at least the, I think I saw one that has three going in the first round. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? You you're kidding me right now. Right. Like yeah. If I'm a GM, that them coming from Michigan, big red flag big old red flags popping up all over because the Jabril peppers. Oh, this guy's a camp total <laughs> athlete. Where is he now? Where yeah, is I think Jabril he's, peppers? I think he's on the giants. I think, I don't know uh, like what he's done for them really, but he's oh, but on he the giants off the charts, right? It goes back to what we've, we've said. I mean, we've said it. Yeah. I think pretty much every time it's come to the draft with uh, this podcast is that like, it, I, I think it's a combination like, yeah, you know, you have to test well, but Use your eyeballs, man. Like it it goes back to, you know, we've talked about it at length ad nauseum with quarterbacks. Like, you know, yeah, I understand that Kyle Buller can throw it 70 yards from his knees, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Why don't you look at the guys who actually went out, took teams that maybe weren't necessarily the greatest or were really good and towed the line. I mean, Dusty's in the Dusty up in the chat is talking about Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones literally, you know, he, I mean, I don't think he's going to be your next Hall of Famer, but he showed you, hey, he can. He's got good leadership. Yeah, he, you know, he he's can. Got the, he's got those he, intangibles that don't test off the charts. Right. But I, I do worry, though, about his lack of experience. He's got one season. 
You know, at that point, you do wonder, okay, is he kind of a flash in the pan? Especially for, is he a first-round talent? Oh, yeah, I think he's a first-round talent. But then I also go, man, I'm seeing him get as drafted as high as third. Is is he really that high? I mean, when I look at all the other quarterbacks, yeah, I may be a little weary on Trey Lance because of the competition level. But then you got a guy like Justin Fields sitting out there that's like, he just like, rewrote big 10 record books in two seasons, you know, led the team to the playoff a couple times. I mean, probably should have been multiple national championship appearances. Right. And the dude, I, I mean, played with basically broken ribs in that semifinal game and just willed his way to a victory. That's the type that's a guy. When I look at that, those are the qualities I'm looking for in a quarterback somebody that's going to just lay it out on the line for his team every game. And that's what Justin Fields did. Yeah. And we'll get more to that a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, And, you know, of course, Dusty in the chat asking where we not only about Mac Jones, but about Jalen Waddle. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We're going to get right into our Colts uh, mock draft here. Before we do, we want to remind you, that you can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. Make sure you go check out 3C Media on YouTube. Not only can you see us, uh, the podcast, if you uh, don't happen to uh, watch us live at twitch.tv slash 3C Media, you can still see our lovely faces at 3C Media on YouTube every Tuesday, as well as the MCT Podcast, the YouTube exclusive podcast uh, where Chris, Tade, uh, and Michael all talk sports as well. They've got a lot of good takes over there. We're at 30 subscribers, so thank you guys all for your support. Uh, let's make it 50 here soon. Let's let's get it off the charts here. And then remember, you can uh, obviously watch us live every week, twitch.tv slash 3C Media. As well as you can listen to us on, you know, and all, and uh, you know, on the podcast side of things, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. So let's go ahead and start talking about the mock draft for the Colts. Of course, going into this year's mock draft, their team needs offensively are wide receiver and left tackle. Their defensive needs uh, are pretty much all over the place. You know, edge rusher, linebacker, uh, cornerback, safety. They could use, you know, pretty much. I mean, obviously, there's more pressing needs than others. Defensive and linebacker. Yeah, um, linebacker and then, is probably on the bottom end of that. You just need more usable depth. depth. Right. Um, so let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put my uh, mock draft on the screen here. I'm going to. It's gonna show you guys at home the uh, all the backgrounds that I've used um, as far as, or maybe it won't. Okay, good. I'm glad that it doesn't do that. I thought I was gonna show every single like background I've ever had while I like, scroll through this. Uh, where it, where people do are gonna it be, be shocked at mine with how much I've talked, what I've talked about. Yeah, it's gonna be behind us a little bit here, but the the funny thing is, is I that will, look when it, uh, see how I can move. I'm trying yeah. to figure out how can I get out of the screen. Well, okay, so you see I'll on this side. Walk away. <laughs> you see on this side. Um, I got grades. A's across. Yeah, you got A's. I got mostly A's too. I don't feel good about my draft because I feel like a no, lot of, showing all my picks. A lot of good talent um, fell to me, um, 
but like and i feel like that's not what's going to happen in real life like you know what i mean like i don't know which i mean obviously we're not going to be able to predict you know what's you know everything that's going to happen but this is what we think uh should happen as far as the colts go um and i can see already on your on your side that it's similar to mine which i do which does make me feel a little bit better um just, about things you can't see online <clears throat> you can't see uh the last one my yeah my last pick yeah. So let's go ahead and hop right in here. Uh, for me, uh, first pick for the Colts. I didn't, the way I approached the mock draft for me was I did not do any trades or yeah, anything. That, that's such a crapshoot. You don't yeah. know. Right. Like I don't like immediately if I'm looking at a mock draft, like I know there's a lot of experts out there that have their, you know, finger on the pulse. They kind of know um, a little, obviously more than we do, but like I, whenever I see a mock draft, it's like, Oh, this, three team trade allowed the you know this team to get this player i'm like i'm not i'm not even gonna look at that because that like there's no like like you're just basically saying what you you're want guessing. you're guessing and, and saying what you want to see whereas like a mock draft where they're like we went you know top to bottom through one you know first round to seventh round in order these are who we think are going to be the picks and that's kind of how i approached it as well so for me <clears throat> first pick of the colts is going to be pick number 21 in the first round. I had the Colts taking uh, left tackle Christian Darisol, um from Virginia Tech. His uh, NFL comparison is Russell Okung. I mean, when you go look at uh, what Okung, Okung was able to do in the NFL, a 10-year career, two-time Pro Bowler, uh, Super Bowl 48 champion with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you know, I think the Colts really do need to address that left tackle position and, and Darisol will fit nicely. Um, I think from day one, he's going to be an instant, um, you know, difference maker on that offensive line. And I think, you know, in looking at what the Colts needs were, like obviously they needed a tackle. And uh, I think that that would, should be the first thing that they emphasize because at the end of the day, I've kind of looked at Carson Wentz in a way, kind of like and this, this will sound mean, but I'm don't I'm very excited to have Carson Wentz on our team. But he's kind of dollar store Andrew Luck, where he has kind of, he's not necessarily as good as Andrew Luck, but he's got similar skill sets in the fact that he's very mobile. He can you know make a lot of things happen with his feet, but and and, and can take a hit, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't necessarily take all of the hits. Um, so, um. And with that said, one of the biggest, obviously, fall points with that, with you know, with Andrew Luck was the fact that they didn't emphasize the offensive line before Chris Ballard got there. So I think it'd be really important, you know, taking Carson Wentz away from a offensive line that ranked towards the bottom of the league. You're already moving him to an offensive line that is near the top. And this move to get Christian Darisol makes it just like even that much more better. So, I mean, looking at what Darisol was able to do at Virginia Tech, he's an AP All-American, first team, All-ACC. He didn't allow a sack or a hit in 2020. He's praised for his body control, strong hands and footwork. Um, and really his only cons are he's just got a lot of raw talent. And I mean, that's what coming to the NFL is for, is developing that talent, making it, you know, making it, you know, making it great, making it into something. Um, that can be, you know, a, a successful NFL career. So, I mean, when you have all the physical attributes and you went out and just kicked butt in college and your only knock is the fact that like, oh, I mean, he's, he's not an NFL player yet because he's not been, you know, fine-tuned. I'll take that 100% of the time. Especially now with who one of the Colts uh, offensive line assistant coaches is now. Right. 
you, you, you do know that one of the assistant coaches is Hall of Famer Kevin Mawe. Right, right. I yeah. mean, let's see. Who do we, who would you want to coach up your offensive line? Oh, uh, just, you know. Mawe. Same way, same thing with edge rushers for the Colts. I'll take Robert Mathis. I mean, yeah. seriously. I mean, you can't go wrong there. No. All right. So for my first pick, go this way. Uh, I went, I went a little different in my, in the mock, in my mock draft, um, Darisaw and Samuel Cosme were n- all the, the top tackles, the big names that you keep hearing that I've mentioned several times were not available. So looking at the best players available and looking at the needs, I went with Elijah Moore wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Um, obviously it got me a grade of an A. Um, he is, a slot he's basically he will basically be ty hilton's heir apparent and he's the type of player that he's he's going to have that downfield threat but he's also a really good route runner has really good hands that's one of the things you see from old miss wide receivers i mean obviously he's not going to be tiny like he's not tiny like ty hilton but he's more um he he's going to be good and this is a guy that in some of the mock, I, I did the mock draft several times just to see kind of averages, how things kind of play out. He is a player that in one of them, I was able to land him at pick 54 as well um, because there was um, one of the top end town, one of the top end tackles was available. So this is a guy that has some where, depending on where people truly value him. Um, he's definitely going to be on the board when the Colts pick at 21. And there's a possibility he'll be on the board at pick 54 as well. But looking at the other top end tackles, I mean, I, I've said multiple times, I, I don't, I, if Christian Darisaw is available, you put any other strategy you had aside and you rewrite it for him because he is clearly the second best tackle in this draft. Um, actually, probably the third best. The other two will be taken pretty high. Pene Suwal, I mean, obviously, he's the only one that is going to be an immediate impact, like instant, like possible Pro Bowl player. Um, and then um, Christian uh, Slayton, I believe it is. Uh, I think his first name's Christian, but he's uh, from Northwestern or Slater, potentially. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but. He's also a, a very high-end prospect as well. So Christian Darisaw is one of those guys that uh, is he's the third best. And there's going to be a gap there where teams are going to make a run on defensive players or quarterbacks, and he may, he may fall. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think eventually you're going to see a lot of teams realize the run on off- off- offensive linemen is going to happen. So Elijah Moore in my draft was there for me, grabbed him up, and I, I he fits an immediate need of more weapons for Carson Wentz. Um, is it necessarily a highest priority, especially considering they also the Colts re-signed Zach Paschal? No, it's not, but it it does fill a a need. It's not the biggest need, whereas tackle is probably the biggest need. Yeah. And I mean, you know, pick number 54 for me, um, you know, staying on that, you know, notion, uh, Elijah Moore this way, Elijah Moore was there for me, uh, at 54. Uh, so I was able to nab him up and, you know, yeah, that was one of those things where, cause they, I think, yeah, he was like, 
looking at because i only did it once because i knew if i did it more than once then i would like just grapple over who <laughs> i should actually like take i guess i could have done twice and then like seen which one was better and then go which with whatever grades were better and try to do that way but but anyway i did it once uh elijah moore fell to me you know wide receiver out of old miss i mean his nfl comparison is antonio brown um you know who's you know off the field stuff aside five-time pro bowl or seven-time or five-time all, all pro seven-time pro bowl really good right i mean you know ap all-american uh for more uh, first team all uh sec i mean you know think about all the defensive players that are going to get drafted um all the secondary players, all the yeah, secondary right. players in the right, SEC exactly. that are going to get drafted. Right. And, and this guy had to go against them. And not only did he go against them, I mean, he broke AJ Brown's school record with 86 receptions in 2020. Uh, and he hauled in 73% of contested catches in 2020. So, That's I mean, he gets, big. he's, he gets knocked for his size, but he has great speed and route running skills. I mean, look, I know size, especially with wide receivers and, and quarterbacks are important, but we've seen, you know, players that don't necessarily have the greatest size go out and be amazing. I mean, T.Y. Hill. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I think that it was right. So, I mean, this was a a pick where I think these are the two biggest needs because I think the Colts, I mean, it's one of those things where like you kind of, you know, shake your fist at Chris Ballard when you do this exercise, because you're like, dude, if you would have just picked one, if you would have signed one receiver, we could have gone and got an edge rusher at 54 and we would uh, I mean, I don't know if the I don't know if it, this year's uh, class really lends itself to that, but we could yeah, have had, added something not. else at that pick, or even still like another wide uh, receiver. There even. Were how many? The amount of time when every time I did this, there was always somebody that was a top tier corner available, and it was right. very very tempting to take like a Greg Newsom out of Northwestern or uh, a Trayvon Morrig out of TCU, somebody that would be a difference maker in the secondary. Right. But knowing, and I'll tell you, anytime I chose that, it got me like a, a C grade. It wasn't a very highly graded outcome specifically for the Colts. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that those are, like you know because looking at it i mean you see it on the board there they don't have a pick again until 127 so obviously they got to make this one count i think those two picks are the biggest need you know tackle and wide receiver and i think you know elijah moore if they're if if the colts can find a way to get elijah moore i think they're going to be in in pretty good shape yeah and you know and this is we honed in on a wide receiver last year it was michael Pittman, and ultimately that one came came true so for my pick at 54 I landed Walker Little, uh, tackle out of Stanford. One of the things you got to realize, you may be like, "Ooh, man, I don't know if you know we can really trust anybody in the, that deep in the second round to be our future left tackle." You got to realize Walker Little at one point was considered a first-round talent. This offensive tackle class is a very deep one. There are a lot of really good players. I mean, it came down to when I was picking, it came down to Walker Little or uh, Tyler Taylor, I forget it, Raddins um, from North Dakota State. I, I, I'm trusting Walker Little a little bit more coming from a, a Power Five conference. And this is a, this is a guy that um, has the intangibles. And I, I feel like, yeah, any of them, beyond the first two guys picked are going to need to be coached up. And in the second round, you don't have that. You don't have to worry. You don't look at him as much as 
a guy that has to come in and be a Pro Bowl caliber player right off the bat. Um, getting up, a, getting a little coaching on him. I mean, he's a he's a smart guy. Obviously, went to Stanford, and um, you know was highly talked about. But just because of the run on the area of needs for uh, from other teams, he he does fall uh, because of that. He's one of those players, though. Any other year, he if it wasn't so deep with quarterbacks, he would be a first round type guy that maybe a late first round pick. And I, I, that's the type of player that he's going to fall and he's going to end up having a chip on his shoulder, I think, because of that. And that's really going to help this team. This is a guy that is going to be a solid pick for the Colts to really help with that offensive line, especially now that there's so much depth. He doesn't have to come in. And if he does struggle a little bit, you do have Julian Davenport there. You do have Sam Tevy there. You, you've got guys that can help out a little bit. And then, like I said earlier, with the addition of Kevin Mawe to the Colts off, um, coaching staff, that is huge for development of offensive linemen. So you can line this guy up, help him develop, and still line him up next to Quentin Nelson, who's going to help hide the, the, any type of tiny deficiencies he may have. So it's a win-win situation here. Yeah. And I mean, also, I mean, you talked about, you know, getting a tackle like that late in the second round. I mean, this draft class is, is just loaded with talent out on the offensive line. So I don't think, you know, it may shy, it may cause people to shy away at first, but I think, you know, no matter who's left is going to be a quality guy. If they do end up picking a tackle at 50. Well, and any of these guys that get these tackles that get picked in the second round, several of them have the ability to be picked in the first round. They could very well be picked in the first round. You just, it, it just depends on what the neat, how the draft boards play out for these other teams with their needs as well. I mean, I've seen Walker little projected in the first round. I've seen Liam, Liam Eichenberg projected in the first round. I've seen Dylan Raddins projected in the first round. I've seen all of them up there in the first round, but then there's also other ones that have them down this far as well, just based off of what other teams are needing and how they're prioritizing offensive tackle. Right. So with uh, the fourth round, I believe is their next pick in the fourth round, third right? Round. Uh, oh, yeah, third fourth round. Fourth round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's their third selection. Um, I'll guess. I guess I'll refer to that because I don't really. I, I forgot to write down like which pick is where. So I'll just say their selection. No, their selection number. It's um, one, two, four, five, six, seven. One, two, four. Okay, so just literally not having a third round. Okay, yeah. okay, I gotcha. Um, I do like what what I see at one twenty seven because for me it's Shaka Tony uh, out of. Uh, Penn state, but for you, it's Jonathan Cooper, not to give away, you know, your pick a little bit, but I just think it's funny because literally I basically did a coin flip between those two guys. Like I, I was like, I think they're both like raw enough to where it's not necessarily a home run, but at the same time, you know, we'll just kind of go and, and see what happens. But cause I, cause I, I was like, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm trusting you know, defensive players from Ohio state, just because of what they're able to do. But I just kind of liked what I saw on uh, Tony just a little bit more. Um, first team, all big 10, 31 tackles, seven and a half for loss in 2020. Um, and, you know, it, you know, in his analysis, you know, experts said he can reach his highest potential as a pass r- rusher. Um, he's very athletic and explosive, but he lacks in strength. So, I mean, that's something that can kind of be fixed you know, and it's kind of one of those situations again, where, you know, he's kind of more of a raw talent, but maybe working with Robert Mathis will kind of help that a little bit. Um, so I just kind of liked what I saw out of uh, Tony, just a little bit more than what I saw out of uh, Cooper. 
So I went with Jonathan Cooper, um, mostly because, well, for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, he's not a, a, a guy that's going to jump off the stat sheet at you. He was doing that, though, in the, in the Clemson game. I mean, that was probably the best game he's had of his entire career. Yeah, I remember Jonathan Cooper was one of these really, really highly recruited players to Ohio State. Five-star guy was looked at as that next guy that's going to be following the Bosa's, following Chase Young, all of those. And he, he didn't really pan out to that height, but he was still a very, very, very solid player that if not compared to Chase Young and the Bosa's, you would have looked at him as one of the next great, uh, as performing as a great uh, Ohio State defensive end, just com in comparison, didn't live up to those guys. Um, now, as a fourth round pick, this is a, this is a, a really, I, I believe this is a really solid, um, has really solid value because not only was, is he a solid player, but he is also a guy that everybody on that team just at, at Ohio State absolutely loved. He was a great locker room presence, a great leader, both on and off the field. This guy is a prototypical Indianapolis Colt player. This is the type of guy that the Colts look for. And you saw him progress over these past few years. I think maturity was a big part of that. I don't think he was able to hit his stride early on because one, he was playing behind the Bosa's and Chase Young and, you know, just wasn't being featured. But when he finally got his opportunity to be featured, he really stepped up. And I think he got more mature as far as a, becoming a leader as well. Um, getting him coached up by Robert Mathis, I, I feel like he has the ability to be one of the biggest steals of this draft. Now, what's funny is that he was even available sometimes in, in the fifth round when I would do this draft as well. Um, but I, I feel like this guy, if the Colts can land him, and they do love their Ohio State defenders, um, he could have a very – solid career do, do I think he is a potential to be a pro bowler like the next white Freenier or Robert Mathis I, I don't know because you just how it's really hard to predict who could be the next Robert Mathis you didn't really expect Robert Mathis to be that either coming out of college but I think if you you know line him up alongside DeForest Buckner he's gonna he's gonna cause some some problems for opposing teams offensive lines he's gonna be that type of player Right now, he is he's strong. He is very strong. So he needs to get a little bit more into his repertoire of pass rush moves. And I think working with Robert Mathis will be would be very beneficial for him moving forward. Uh, right. An A minus grade so far. If uh, you know there was a college course on drafting, I, I would have been on the on the dean's list in college. This is nothing like what my grades look like. <laughs> oh, uh, best I mean, grades I've ever received. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say the only thing, the only blemish uh, for me comes in at two oh six, uh, and I honestly don't. I think I think I got a little bit shafted uh, with that C plus rating, but we'll get to that in a bit. But you know, you say you made the dean's list. My favorite story is that the semester I turned twenty one, uh, my parents were like, "Now, don't let the fact that you can, you know, that you know you're able to go out to the bars occasionally, you know, detract from your grades." Literally got my best GPA of any semester that whole, like they were worried about it being a distraction. And I was like, of course, I, I, I know, I know how to do this. All right. I can do it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, and I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, the fact that like, you just don't know what, I mean, this is a part of the draft where, you know, you could very well pick, 
you know, a ne- the next great player, or you could pick someone who's never going to see a football field, you know, yeah, or an NFL it's, field. It's like it's such a crapshoot at this point. You know, well, it's especially a t- once you get into sixth and seventh rounds. Well, it's what we've talked about when we talk about like when we talk a little bit more about the M- NBA draft. Like literally, um, you know, this is the equivalent of the second round, <laughs> where like you're just like, ah, maybe, maybe it'll be a good pick, maybe it won't be a good pick, but we'll just kind of see. And this is where you know we talked about Chris Ballard earlier. You know, kind of putting those tools that we've seen over the past few years to good use uh, where he can find those great talents, you know, show what he can do, show what his team can do like scout wise. Um, yeah. So I do uh, like what we have at 165 because you and I on the same wavelength, Derek Barnes, um, a linebacker out of Purdue, second team, all big 10. Uh, so you had 6.7 uh, solo tackles per game. That's sixth in the FBS. Um, you know, according to his profile, he can work as a defensive end and uh, in addition to linebacker in the NFL. So he's got some versatility, uh, which you really like. Cause that's kind of the thing too, because there's not like a defensive talent in this draft. Like we talked about last year, if they hadn't made the move for Buckner, you know, Javin Kinlaw or Javian Kinlaw was the kind of the guy that Javon. they, Javon, sorry. Um, that was kind of the guy you talked about. There was no, talent especially this deep in the draft that you could really be like you know or like even at, you know early in the draft at 127 where you could be like all right this is the no-brainer edge rusher linebacker pick so i think you know finding guys that are just good athletes and have a lot of talent and then kind of molding them into, into what you want to be is kind of the way you want to go um you know experts say he's got solid speed and toughness but his awareness is an area for improvement so again that's something where you know working with that defensive staff um, you know, can kind of mold that. And those are things that are easy to fix. When I, 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 the reason they say is awareness, I believe, okay, so this is where my Purdue fandom is going to come into play here. Right, so I was going to step aside horrible, and be like. I watched every game. <laughs> right. And they, they, they have that knock on his awareness because they have him listed as a linebacker. And when he had to drop back into coverage, it was a learning process for him. He's, he was learning how to drop back into coverage. He's always been a hand in the dirt, rush the passer, stop the run type guy. When those are the things he has to do, he is an all big 10 caliber player. He, he is, he was one of the best players out on the field uh, every game when that was what he had to do. But when you had to put, have him drop back into coverage or he had to cover a tight end or something, that's where his weaknesses were deficient when the when Purdue switched to a three four defense, it really kind of put him into a different situation where they're like, okay, now you got to cover people, and it's like that's not his skill set, that's not his wheelhouse. So that's why I picked Derek Barnes here because he is a nasty, he's a nasty baller, essentially. He, this guy has a mean streak to him, and. Um, I, I, w- I don't want to compare him fully, but a mean streak, kind of like a Ray Lewis, he will hit you and you will <laughs> remember that hit. He, but, you know, it, he can get to, the, pa- he can get to the, the, the quarterback. He can stop the run in the backfield. He knows how to penetrate the offensive line, but he also knows how to kind of, he kind of knows how to read coverages, not too great, but he knows how to read the run from playing linebacker. This is a guy that, you could use he's he's going to be a depth piece but he may, may be one of those guys that when you draft him he's a depth piece for a while but all of a sudden you're like i need to get this guy out on the field as much as possible and you he works his way into a starting role somehow he's a more he's a more athletic defensive end we can say similar 
similar almost to a Ryan Kerrigan coming out of Purdue as well. Maybe a little bit more athletic. Um, I don't know. If he's available and the Colts take him, oh my gosh, they're going to absolutely love this pick because he has all of the potential in the world. This is a guy that also just lit up the senior bowl. He was one of the better performers in the senior bowl and left people talking. So I, I'm really excited to see how his pro career unfolds. Yeah. It's funny too. When, it, when I saw that there was a Purdue player at 165 uh, available, I was like, I think B Scott's going to like this. If I, if I pick the Purdue player that's available. Uh, and so, and I didn't yeah. pick him because he was a Purdue player. I right. Picked, I mean, I, 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 I know more about him because he's a Purdue player, but his fit and what the Colts need is ideal. He, if there is somebody that could be like a next Robert Mathis, it's him oh, yeah. He's built like a Robert Mathis. Yeah, no, I, it'd be a exciting pick for sure. You, you act like me bringing up the fact that your Purdue guy is like a knock. I'm, I just like to give you an opportunity to spout off whenever you can about Purdue athletics. That's I'm, I'm just lobbing them up for you. I mean, um, Hey, I, I, I could have taken Rondell Moore there at 21, but he was, was available like, no, for me too. Not- at like 54 or 21, I can't remember which, but I was like, ooh, do well, I he do was it? never available for me at 54. At 21, he was always available. But right. value-wise, he, no. he's not – you don't want him at 21. Right. If he's around at 54 and you take an offensive tackle at 21, if he's around at 54, you look long and hard. You really consider that move, but not at 21. Right. Um. So for me, uh, at 206, uh, their uh, sixth-round pick, um, I went with uh, Jamie and Sherwood uh, safety out of Auburn. His NFL comparison is Clayton Gathers, who is a former Colt. Um, so yeah. I know, I mean, maybe not the best. I know he wasn't very highly regarded, but at the same time, stay on the field. Right. Well, and I mean, maybe Jamie and will, I mean, he's uh, you know, draft experts believe he can be moved to linebacker. So again, it's another situation where he doesn't, you know, necessarily on paper, he's not like a, just, you know, hey, he's going to be, you know, a solid safety in the NFL. There, so because he can kind of be molded into whatever you want, I feel like that's, uh, you know, the best way for the Colts to be able to go. Um, he's six two with a massive wingspan, but he does lack in speed. Um, you know, that's one of the things, you know, because a lot of times when I saw experts say like, oh, he, like, you know, like we talked about with Barnes, he lacks awareness stuff, like, or he's raw, all that stuff, I feel like can be fixed. You can't really fix your speed. You can't fix how fast you are. <laughs> You can slightly. There's speed right. coaches out there. there right. Are. Um, but it's it's not as easy. It's not right. as easy. Right. So um yeah. So I just went with the fact that the dude is you know he's he's big. He's strong. Um, you can use them at multiple positions. If you, I mean, not that they would end up doing something like that, but he can be converted into a linebacker, which which is a really good special teams player. Right. So that's what I was looking at out of Auburn, uh, to another situation where I had the choice between, you know, a couple of players, uh, towards the end of the draft. And I kind of went with my gut. Cause I think there was, um, a corner, uh, out of a, I want to say it was out of Illinois that was projected to go around the same spot. Um, and so I went with the safety out of Auburn. So I think it's a solid pick. Obviously I got a C plus for it. So, I mean, obviously, uh, pro football focus didn't think so, but, uh, I went with, uh, you know, uh, Jamie and Sherwood, you know, the next Clayton Gathers, uh, you know, keep it, keep the Clayton Gathers like player profiles with the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> so I'll just say for my draft, I did not go secondary at all. I, I was finding that later on in the draft, 
the value for corners and safeties just wasn't as high as other positional as other players. So at 206, I went with another edge rusher. You know, at this point from two in sixth and seventh round, it really is a crapshoot. You just don't know if you know what how these guys are going to pan out, if they're going to pan out at all. Uh, so I went with Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo. Got a little Mac Maction in there. Action. Um, but I don't know too much about this guy. I just know that the Colts they need some help at edge rush and bringing in some bringing in bodies that you can basically run through an audition and see who can really step up. Um, I don't know if necessarily he'd be a good special teams player. He may, you know, he may be one of those guys that you put out there to try to block field goals or punts. I don't know, but got me an A minus rating. So I'm happy with it. But what, like I said, in the sixth and seventh round, it's so tough. Yeah. It really is. Uh, that's why with my last pick, pick 248, seventh round, um, I was like, you know what? There wasn't really a wide receiver uh, that caught my eye towards the end of the occasionally, draft. Occasionally for me, uh, wide receiver Wap Fillier from mm. IU was mm. available. And that would be an, a, a, an interesting pick considering I believe he's from Fishers. Ooh, that'd be that'd be solid. So some local flavor to, to round things out, and that that's the type of thing you you would you see happen. A lot. Right. I picked him once, and it when he was available, and it was a really highly graded pick for two forty eight. Yeah, I got I got a C plus for my rig uh, for my pick. I went with uh, Duke tight end Noah Gray. Um, he moves well. He's so tough. Yeah, tough. and well, and I mean, and the thing is too, like I don't know. They didn't really give his, you know, hands too great a praise. They said he was a better blocker than anything else. Um, he's go, He moves well. He's good at blocking uh, schemes, and he does excel uh, in footwork and route running. So it seems like, you know, he, he's a blocking tight end first that can later be, you know, maybe turned into a better receiving threat. Obviously not, you know, More a receiving box type player. Right. So that's kind of what I went for. Um, I went for just because that's the thing, like, like I like, for instance, if, if this draft pans out or even your draft pans out or a combination of the two and they end up getting Elijah Moore. I mean, we're adding Elijah Moore to, you know, Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton, um, you know, Paris Campbell, um, uh, Michael Pittman, like you're you're at it. You know, that's a pretty solid receiving core. But I, I just feel like the more talent the you know that you can throw at Carson Wentz uh the more offensive weapons you can throw at Carson Wentz whether they're top of the line talents or just kind of you know guys that can, that can be molded into an offensive weapon um i think that's the way you got to go just because i'm not 100% i mean we know what TY Hilton can do at his best we know that Zach Pascal has been an insanely good wide receiver for the Colts but you know we the, all, both of those players have their question marks Paris Campbell has this uh, you know can't stay healthy Michael Pittman um, has been was solid, but also dealt with some injuries last season. I mean, it's one year, so I mean, you don't want to be like, oh, well, he's, you know, you can't say too much. But like, that's the thing. There's a lot of uncertainty, so I feel like, you know, if they can get, you know, a you know home run, you know, in those first couple of picks, and then kind of sprinkle in, you know, another pick or two of offensive talent to make sure they at least throw as many darts at the board as possible. I think that's the way you got to go. Yeah, my uh, pick at 248 landed me an A-grade as well. 
linebacker Isaiah McDuffie out of Boston College. Went with that pick mostly because they do need depth at linebacker. Um, again, don't know too much about him. Other, uh, just he'd be a good body, potentially a good special teams player. Graded out well. Um, and I, I, with this mock draft, I was really wanting to really focus on the front seven for the defense. Obviously, five, uh, four of my six picks are defensive front seven. And um, a couple of was with Derek Barnes, you can move up, you can move him around a little bit. Um, but that's really where the focus needs to be this year. I feel like you got those two big needs on offense, which were met early. And then you just need to bring in bodies that are serviceable, that have potential to be uh, good, solid pieces. And because you're not looking to draft the next Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis, or really the next Dwight Freeney. It's, it's gonna, that's so hard, especially when you look at the edge rushers that are available up there in the first round. There's so many big question marks surrounding them, especially on the injury front. And with the amount of injuries the Colts experience, I don't know if I'd be wanting to draft somebody that has injury red flags on them. It's, it's a little tough for me. Um, but yeah, I went with Isaiah McDuffie. Overall, my overall draft score came out to an A-. minus. Yeah, I was like, mine was a B plus, so I'll, I'll definitely take it. And yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, you know, on the one hand, that you know you know these guys have a lot more to go off scout wise but then on the other hand like whenever i opened uh a tab on a, on a player and it was like yeah he you know missed most of his senior season i'm like oh nope now i'm gonna click on that because that's already a huge you know question mark um not only for being healthy for this season um but also just that injury proneness lurking um, you know, the rest of the way. So yeah, overall, I mean, if the Colts have either one of these drafts that we had, like, and it rates out to be a B plus a minus, like I'll be happy. Um, and like I said, I, I, I don't have, this is a pivotal draft for Chris Ballard. I have no doubts that he'll pass the test. I'm, you know, it's just, this is a very significant draft for him to succeed at. Right. And it's can't be one that there's too many misses at the, at the top half of right. the draft for them. Especially um, when but he also does play the uh, undrafted free agent role pretty well. True, true. Um, so going ahead and going into some other draft storylines uh, quickly before we wrap up things here tonight. Um, so we're going to do some hot or cold um, with the rest of the storylines here in the draft class. Uh, first of all, hot or cold, this quarterback class is the best since 2004. That's what we saw um, with Eli Manning, uh, Big Ben, and Phillip Rivers. That's uh, one of the storylines I was looking at, you know, the big storylines going into the draft. That's what one of the things CBS Sports had was if this draft class, you know, could be as good as 2004. You know, and I dove into it a little bit. The, two, the 2004 quarterback class, uh, that's a cold take for me, by the way. The 2004 uh, quarterback class wound up with four Super Bowl rings and produced three passers who are currently fifth, seventh, and eighth on the all-time passing list um uh or all passing yards list all three are also in the top 10 all time in passing touchdowns um and then you know diving through it pick by pick here i mean jacksonville slated to get trevor lawrence but they've never had a uh, been in a position to have this kind of talent before i mean they've had good quarterbacks in mark brunel david garrard um byron leftwich 
um, who, you know, ended up winning a Super Bowl, but as an offensive coordinator. Um, and I mean, this is the best quarter, you know, the best quarterbacks they've drafted are those two guys, but they've never made it past. They didn't draft Mark Brunel. I don't think, I think he was in the expansion draft technically maybe, but, but anyway, um, uh, getting Byron Leftwich and David Garrard were really big for them, but never made it past the divisional round. Um, and they're far from the team that went to the AFC title game with a few years back. So, I mean, you're trusting this Jacksonville team who has been in a position to succeed here the last few years and hasn't really done it um, with being able to take a talent like Trevor Lawrence, which is he's far and away the best talent in the draft, but I don't know if he's kind of a once in the generation player like, you know, other quarterbacks have been built at in the past. He may end up being amazing, and I think he will be good. Um, but you're asking a lot to be like, oh, hey, are you going to go win multiple Super Bowls and be, you know, the next big thing in Jacksonville? And maybe he will, but I don't think it's, you know, anything super set in stone. Um, and then while um, Justin Fields is the best quarterback prospect to come out of Ohio State, the Buckeyes have yet to produce an all-pro level quarterback. Um, you know, so quarterbacks that have come out in the past, I mean, Braxton Miller and uh, I'm blanking on his name. I don't know why. Uh, JT Barrett. JT Barrett both ended up being wide receivers. You have Troy Smith and Terrell Pryor. Um, who uh, you know Terrell Pryor ended up being a good receiver himself. Um, but you know those guys never really panned out. So they they don't really. Ohio State hasn't really panned out. You know and, and churned out a really good you know Hall of They're Fame. Known for quarterbacks though, which is you would it's just surprising. They're more right. running backs. Defensive players and defensive backs. Oh, and yeah. defensive ends. Right. So, I mean, I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are still far and away the two best talents in this year's draft. And then, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying the rest of the way here. I mean, uh, the rest of the quarterback class uh, are toss ups. Um, and I mean, we do have the luxury of looking at the 2004 class, you know, well after the fact, but you know, the equivalent would be if Lawrence and Fields had come out with Burrow last season, if, if, if the class last year would have been Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, then I'd be like, Hey, maybe this is the best class uh, since 2004. Um, but I mean, you know, 2005 had Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That may be a little bit more on par with what we might see out of, this year's draft class one, I can see one of them being, you know, the next great hall of fame quarterback, but I don't know about all three being hall of fame caliber. Um, and then 2012 even had, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck and Ryan Tannehill, obviously, you know, one of them is retired now. Uh, but at the same time, I think those are two other classes, Oh five and 12 that had good quarterbacks as well that you could compare, I think more successfully or more easily to 2004 than this year's class. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, is this going to be the best class since 2004? It's so hard. You don't know. I mean, we're looking at I, – I even saw – somebody said today, they believe – I think I was on Get Up this morning. I think that somebody said – I don't know who said it, but they said Trevor Lawrence will play – will at least play in two to three Super Bowls. I'm like – and who's going to be the team? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's so tough because it's not just about the quarterback. It's about the pieces that are surrounding him as well. It's, I don't know. I'm well, going to I mean, say Cole just because it's, it's too hard to tell. It's just too hard to tell. I mean, and then the question is like, you know, who's going to be the best quarterback in this draft? 
Um, which spoiler alert, that's our next question. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and, and like the thing is too, like, I think at the time, like, uh, like Pittsburgh, like obviously Roethlisberger went to Pittsburgh, very successful, you know, one of the best, one of the most successful franchises in NFL history. And I don't think they were bad at the time. I mean, they were bad enough to get the seventh pick obviously, but I mean, like they weren't like, Oh, they're, they had, you know, a dumpster they had pieces. They had Heck. pieces and a solid coaching. Well, they had, I well. mean, they, they had Heinz Ward, Plaxico Burris. They had uh Willie Parker, Jerome Bettis still like they had, they had all that talent still and left. Their defense was just on the cusp of being amazing. Right. Like Roy these Palomalu. were these were teams where their rosters were literally a quarterback away from being good. Yeah. Like they like, had one bad year. Right. Whereas, you know, whereas these are teams that they're going to now, which are, you know, is more par for the course with what we've seen here in the past, where these are bad teams that also don't have a quarterback. And that's right. one of the reasons why they're so bad. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a thing where like, yes, we, you know, it doesn't help us that we have so, the 2004 was such a great class and we can go back and look at what they were able to do. And we don't know what these guys are going to do, but just like looking at like, it's kind of like the comparison you saw, like in this around the Super Bowl, where like Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady, it's like, Patrick Mahomes, I, I, seven Super Bowl championships is not – I don't think that's a record that will ever be broken. So to say Patrick Mahomes, you know, is, you know, like, you know, could be the next player that does that, nobody's going to do that. Like Patrick Mahomes may win three or four, and like that's – and that's even uncommon. So to win almost double that is is insanity. So, I mean, um, so to think that – this draft, any draft class can produce three Hall of Famers, I feel like is asking a lot. So, I mean, and I just don't see that with this group. And like I said, if it would have been last year with Burrow in the mix, and those, you would have three solid names, all highly touted. I can make the comparison. Whereas this is two, you know, two talents that are going to be, you know, put in, you know, crazy positions and then you know flip a coin for the rest of them as far as whether or not they're going to be good or not so um good yeah i think this on. is a, I, yeah it's, it's it's too hard to tell right um so moving on to the next question of this quarterback class trevor lawrence will have the best rookie season hot or cold for me it's a cold take and i think it's going to be whoever gets drafted by san francisco uh and the reason why i say that is they'll be working under Kyle Shanahan. Of the teams that are projected to take a quarterback, the 49ers have the best roster around them. Solid wide receiver core uh, led by Debo Samuel. They have George Kittle at tight end. Uh, and they're only a couple of seasons away from having a top, top-tier defense. This is the situation uh, that I was talking about that Pittsburgh, San Diego, and um, New York had when they took those guys in the 2004 draft, where they were like, this team literally is a quarterback away, which I'm not really sure why they are like the 49ers already have moved off Garoppolo. That's kind of a weird situation to me. Yeah. Um, but especially after, I mean, they traded a pick. They traded like a second round, first round pick for Garoppolo, didn't they? Or something like that. Yeah, they um, gave up quite a bit. Right. So kind of weird they've already moved off of him. I don't know if they're planning on like moving him again 
Um, but anyway, not neither here nor there. Now they're projected to take um, of of you know th- a three quarter you know of the players they're projected to take. Um, they could take Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. Um, I think Justin Fields is, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in the draft, um, and I think he'll be a better long term move. But again, like I said before, and the reason why I think Mac Jones would be a solid pick for them is we've already seen what he can do with a lot of talent around him, and that sounds kind of like a silly like of course he did well with a lot of talent around him but i mean hey i mean you need a guy who's just not going to screw things up you need a kyle orton throw you know it's the argument that i've made in the past for jared goff blake bortles you need like you put blake bortles on the buccaneers last year i don't know if they win the super bowl maybe but they're going to be a good team um you you know you jared goff had a super bowl season with the rams uh with a great defense and a great offense around him so you put a guy like mac jones on the 49ers, I think he can be successful. Um, so, so yeah, I think that whoever the 49ers end up taking will have the best rookie season because I think there's still so many question marks around the Jaguars. There's so, you know, so they need so much talent on that team. I mean, this is a team that, you know, won one game last year, beat the Colts in week one, and then didn't win again the rest of the season, which I did see a funny TikTok about that where, uh, you know, there's this meme where, you know, those kind of like old movies where they like at the end during the credits, they show like where the characters are now. Um, And that's kind of what they do with the, um, you know, it was like, it showed the tweet at the beginning of the season for the Jaguars that was like, you know, we're not satisfied with one and oh, and then it like fades, like it fades that picture away. And it says like, they were in fact satisfied uh, with, with, with one and oh, uh, they didn't win a game the rest of the season. So yeah, there's just so many question marks around the other teams that need quarterbacks and San Francisco is the most solid roster that also still needs that a quarterback. You know, I, I, I agree with that take um, whoever San Francisco drafts, but I'm also the other team that is, interesting that is looking to potentially move up into the top 10 to grab one of these top tier quarterbacks is the new England Patriots. They're in, I don't know if um, you could say they'll have be successful considering Cam Newton's most likely going to be the starter again. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe the San Francisco 49ers are one of those teams that are going to be the most successful uh, whoever lands there will have the, the most successful rookie season just because they have the weapons and if their defense is healthy, they have a really strong defense as well. So I, I totally agree with that take. All right. So final question here. Um, and that is the Bengals should take Jamar Chase over uh, Panay Sewell. And so for me, I just want to play devil's advocate. Um, oh, I yeah. had, I had, uh, I had done through our four questions of Potter cold. I had uh, three cold takes. Um, and so I was like, ah, Screw it. We'll uh, we'll do a hot take on this it's one. Like taking a test. Oh, I've been putting A and B too many times. <laughs> right. This answer has to be C. Well, I was telling Chris uh, of the MCT podcast uh, that you can check out on YouTube every Saturday. I was telling uh, Chris Simmons that um, you know it's really tough to write hot or cold questions because you unconsciously or subconsciously end up writing like towards your viewpoint, like and so theoretically. Uh, depending on how you word the question, it can either be all cold takes or all hot takes because you're phrasing the question, how you're thinking of it in your mind. So like, right. you know, you, you, so you have to like, how's, what's the most neutral way I can ask. Like I've reworded questions so that I wouldn't take the same like answer every time, basically. Um, you know, I've gone the opposite way to make sure like it's not straight all colds or all hots. So 
Uh, for me, it's a hot take. And that's, uh, you know, I mean, you got a lot of history between, um, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They played together on the 2019 LSU National Championship team. He did, get, he did catch 20 of Burrow's 60-plus touchdown passes that season. Um, and basically the reason why I'm playing devil's advocate here is because this year's offensive line pool is a lot deeper uh, than the wide receiver pool. You can still have a quality offensive lineman in the second round and beyond. And there's a lot of teams that need offensive linemen. Uh, there's a lot of teams where I was looking back through it, who, which teams had the worst offensive line last year. You know, you see the giants there and you see, um, you know, some other, you know, some of the other teams around, around where the Bengals are ranked and they're not projected to take offensive line and offensive linemen in the first round. So, I mean, there's other teams with an offensive line as bad as the Bengals that aren't prioritizing or at least aren't projected to prioritize offensive line with their first round pick. But that's because of also where players are rated, though. True. If Penny um, if Penny Sewell falls to the Giants, you, they're not prioritizing anything else other than Penny Sewell. Right. Um, like this <laughs> offensive line was ranked thirtieth last year, um, and you know I, I think basically what I'm saying is you know based on the you know what the other teams around them are taking, you know, who also need offensive line. I mean, I think Burroughs injury last season was terrible and they need to improve the offensive line, obviously. Um, but I mean, you pair up Jamar chase alongside T Higgins, you add a couple other pieces. I mean, there, that offense can be really good. And I think that you can still, I mean, only one, only one team that needs offensive line is going to get Penn Uh well. And, and it's that's the Bengals. A, right. But I'm just saying that like, they can and have I, all the I, weapons I, in the world if they don't have. He doesn't have time to throw right. to them. But that's not like they're gonna like if, if for whatever reason they don't take him. It's not like they're doomed and and Burrow's gonna be sacked sixty times if they don't take him. They can find a quality offensive lineman in the next round and still. I mean, because guess what? Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receivers in this year's draft. He's not the and, best. Well, I mean, you do have Devonta Smith out there who's gonna be pretty good too. So, but yes, anyway. You know. One of the first wide receivers in a long time to win the Heisman. Right. So, I mean, I just think that, you know, like I said, playing devil's advocate here, I just think that you can still address your offensive line. It's kind of like with the Colts. You could flip, you know, you and I flipped as, I mean, we weren't in position to get so well, but like, you know, we, but we could, we, we flip flopped tackle wide receiver. I think that the Bengals could do that too and still wind up not having Joe Burrow be, you know, let off in a stretcher at the end of the year. Okay, so I read a tweet earlier today that said if the Bengals are looking to do anything other than draft Penny Sewell, they need to stop. <laughs> because <clears throat> this situation where their offensive line is like at a point where you could see Joe Burrow end up being like the next Andrew Luck. Um, it doesn't matter who's around you, especially if Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are guys that are going to make the, their bread and butter is the deep ball. Well, in order for the deep ball to work, you got to give your quarterback time in the pocket and you're not going to pass up on a can't miss offensive line, a, a tackle prospect for another weapon. When you just spent last year's number one pick on a quarterback, you got to keep that quarterback upright to make those weapons work. And where the, where they pick, there's plenty of weapons still available in the second round. And heck, if you are really feeling it, you could even trade back into the first round. If you wanted to, somebody would be a very willing trade partner to 
get the 33rd pick or whatever the pick is for them. And the, you know, it's might as well be a, a first round pick still, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they, they pass up the opportunity to take Sewell over to get another wide receiver. If they do, everybody will give them an F grade for that pick. Not because <laughs> the player is a bad player, but because it does not fit what they really, 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 really need to help continue the growth of Joe Burrow. But it would be a Bengals move though. That would be, that's, that's not even a Bengals move. That's a Raiders <laughs> move. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's just fast. It doesn't matter what, what his hands are. Is he fast? That's what yeah. we want. <laughs> Well, B. Scott, I know that you get. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, I love talking uh, NFL draft. But I know this is, you know, a a show that you get hyped up for as much as I do when we do the M- MLB preview. So, is there anything we didn't touch on tonight that you want to make sure you say before we uh, sign off for the night? Just be prepared for a wild night of trades. There's a lot of rumors going around that some teams are looking to move up into the top ten to grab their quarterbacks. I mean, it's a it's top heavy with quarterbacks this year. So that you're going to see, a, you're going to see some really good prospects fall to teams like the Colts or later, because you're going to have teams that are going to try to make those runs on those top tier quarterbacks that are really needy. That's why it's always so, that's why I'm so, I am glad the Colts did make the trade for Carson Wentz. So they're not in that position of trying to move up and sell the farm to get a Mac Jones or uh, a Trey Lance or somebody like that. So just be prepared for a lot of wild moves. And if you one of your teams is picking in the back half of the first round, you go ahead, stay up late. If you want on Thursday, go for it. I'll do it regardless, but don't be surprised if when your team comes up to pick all of a sudden the, the, team, the logo changes to another team because <laughs> they, they made a trade that that seems to be very common uh, these days on the back half of the draft is these teams will, make moves with the guys that are picking early in the second round and steal some picks from them. That's why I have, a, I can honestly say that's, I believe that is why the teams that are constantly picking up near the front of the draft are always up there. And the teams that are near the back half of the first round are always back there because they just poach draft picks off of the, uh, the bad teams because the bad teams are always trying to move up for that better talent. Whereas the guys that are good are like, I can get the same kind of talent back where you were picking, but you're just, you're too antsy and right. they take advantage of that. So there's gonna be a lot of moving, a lot of moving. We've seen it here in the past few years. There's going to be a lot of moving around just because your team's slated to pick at a certain point, ultimately in the end. I don't, I don't think ultimately the Colts will be picking at 21 I, I, and push comes to shove. I would not be the least bit surprised if the Colts do not pick on Thursday night, even. That's my bold prediction. My bold prediction is the Colts will not use a first round pick this year. Their first round pick will be given to somebody else and the Colts will pick up an additional second round or third round or whatever it may be. (laughs) They're going to pick up picks. Right. And I mean, I, I mean, they, heck, they didn't have a first rounder last year. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's unprecedented. So, and, and yeah. you talk, you talk about waiting the whole night. I mean, literally Lamar Jackson was, a, was the 32nd pick in the draft. Well, uh, you year, know, though, the differences for the Colts is they still had, I think one of the jets picks. So they were picking like the second pick of the uh, second round. So, so essentially like, they're like picking eight picks later or whatever it was. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but. No, they were 13 last year. Oh, were they? Oh yeah. I guess they were. Dang. They were up high last year. That so they had two really good second round picks, but their first second round pick was essentially just a late, late first rounder. Right, pretty much. 
Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Dusty up in the chat, everybody who uh, listened, watched, all that good stuff. Remember, you can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. You can go to our YouTube page, 3C Media, where uh, not only can you see this podcast every Tuesday, but you can also see the MCT Podcast, our YouTube-exclusive podcast, every single Saturday. Um, So go ahead and check them out. We're at 30 subscribers. Thank you guys all for your support uh let's make it let's make it up to 35 40 50 let's uh let's start growing that channel um and then also um remember you can watch us live every monday twitch.tv slash 3c media um and you can listen to us every week on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever podcasts can be heard you can hear the crash course podcast b scott where can they find you you can always find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. I'm starting to pass pass around the idea of an uh, OnlyFans account. Got to pay the bills. There you go. I mean, hey, you know what? I, I will, uh, you know, I will definitely support you. I don't know how I would support you, but I definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're here to we're here to support the boys. So, uh, you know, I, I'll do what I can. Um, but yeah, uh, that will do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Next week, we will uh, have it dedicated to wrapping up the uh, Colts draft and we'll be like letting you guys know what we think about all the picks the Colts made as well as reviewing uh, the NFL draft as a whole. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's the, one of the best times of the year and it leads into the best month of the year, the month of May. So very excited for uh, the content coming up, but until then have a good week, everybody.